Good morning, everyone. How are you? Are you good? Are you awake? <laughs> I, <laughs> at least you're honest. That's good. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see everyone this morning. Happy Thanksgiving week. Looks like we have a lot of people out this week traveling, so we'll be praying for them for safe travels. But we'd like to go ahead and get started this morning. And if you would stand with me, we're going to just start our time of worship with the Lord this morning. Nope, we've got to wait on our drummer. We won't have him yet. <laughs> okay, he's ready. <laughs> We worship the God who was, we worship 
would you pray with me this morning? I just want to welcome everyone here today. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for being here this morning. We thank you for what it is that you're going to do here today. There's so much going on in our world. So many things that are happening, Lord, and we know that you're in control of all things. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you alone are sovereign. That in this life, there is nothing that we can get far enough away from you. We are never out of your reach, Jesus. We can never get too far away that you can't grab us and pull us back. Lord, I'm grateful for your word. The fact that you left that for us. And that our generation has your word to lean into is nothing short of a miracle. I'm so thankful for the comfort that comes from that. Lord, I'm grateful for your healing. I'm grateful for your love and your grace and your mercy that we don't deserve. And yet, you give it so freely. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for each person in this room that's down the hall, each child. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you know us individually and so intimately and personally. I thank you, Lord, for caring and loving us our entire lives. And Lord, that you don't forget a thing, that you hold every tear in your hand, and that you're working all things for good according to your purposes. Lord, we love you. We want to give you ourselves this morning. Just for this time that we have with you, Lord, I just want you to take all of me, all of us, and that we can just lay ourselves at your feet and let you work and do what you need to do. We love you, Lord. And we praise you. And we thank you for what you're going to do this morning, Jesus. And we're excited about it. So, Lord, we love you. You have the rest of this service, Jesus, to do what you want. And we thank you for it, Jesus. In your name, amen. Would you turn to the people around you and greet them? And any children can meet Miss Tracy in the back. And you can go meet her. She's standing in the back. She has a flag. She's going to wave. And she'll take you down to the children's room. Good morning. 
to figure this out as we go. <laughs> Pastor Ben's got a uh, worried look on his face. Good morning. Um, you ha- if you came in, you, ha- you should have grabbed a handout. Inside of that handout is a connection card. Please fill that out, if, especially if you're new. We want to get to know you. Uh, fill that out, and we can put that in the offering plate uh, when it comes around. Um, you might notice some boxes up here at the front. Uh, we have Samaritan's Purse. Christmas boxes, Christmas child's boxes. Thank you so much. Um, and you guys did a great job of picking those up and, and filling those. So today is the last day to turn those in. But let's just say you ended up forgetting to bring them today. That is okay. You can bring them to uh, Community Church just up the road, uh, 10 to noon tomorrow, Monday. So uh, that is your... Um, kind of last chance to get them in there. So uh, that, thank you guys for doing that. We do have a, yeah, yeah, you guys showed up and showed out. So thank you guys for turning those in. We do have a video with that. Um, no, we don't. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to be cool with this thing, but it's not going to work right now. So we don't have a video. <laughs> Maybe we'll play it later. I'm not sure or not. But um, we have a lot of things coming up. Um, the Christmas parade, uh, I believe uh, Shelby will be um, the head of that. And uh, please reach out to Shelby Elzis. She needs volunteers. She needs help. There is a tub in the lobby for candy. Uh, they, they throw the candy out in the parade from, from the float. So uh, we'll need help with the float. We'll need help. Uh, just volunteers in general, so please go see Shelby Elzis if if you can do that, if you can help out with that. The ladies' Christmas tea, that will be December 10th, and they do need you to RSVP ahead of time. So Bernie Vale uh, will be taking those RSVPs in the lobby, I believe, after the service. Is that right, Bernie? Um, so please see her after service for that. Um, big news, guys, because that table's out. It's potluck day. Who's excited? Anybody? Yes. Thank you. I was looking for that. Um, <laughs> the uh, potluck is after service today. Uh, please stick around. Everyone is invited. If you didn't bring anything, no worries. Come on out. Enjoy the potluck together. Um, I think that is it. Oh, no, it's not. I don't have pictures either. Uh, unfortunately, but our group went to Power Surge. We have one of our group from Power Surge. She's so excited to be called out right now. That's Bella. Say hi. There is? Kaylee. Oh, say hi, Kaylee. Um, we had a great time in Estes Park at the YMCA of the Rockies there. Uh, a, an incredible retreat. Uh, it was, uh, the theme was Pursuit. So they learned all about how to pursue God, how to pursue others for God. Um, and it was a great, great time. So got to see some elk there. It was awesome. Uh, but we had, we had a fun time. Thank you guys for praying for that, lifting that up in prayer, because uh, we appreciate that. So I think there is one more announcement. Scott Myers has an announcement from the board, from the church board, about the pastoral search update. So... The floor will be his. 
Well, good morning, Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. You're all looking good today. But there's a lot of extra layers I see out there. Are we ready for winter yet, Kathy? No, no, okay. All right, let's stick to the subject. So I, I would like to update you on the pastoral search. Uh, we, we also would like to greet you from, from your board. And if you don't know who your board is, we really need to just, uh, uh, you need to get to know them. This is, a, this is a great board. There are people on there that I knew, but I had never really worked with. I see Bernie. I don't see a lot. Oh, there's Cliff. There's several people. I know Cyril's out there protecting us, and uh, he's on the board. But who else do we have that's on the board here today? But if you have a chance, Bernie and Cliff, get to know, get to know these people. Um, they're really great to work with. All the board has been really great to work with. And we have some good news. Uh, we, had a, we had a very good um, meeting, or I shouldn't even call it a meeting. I should call it a conversation with um, your board and a candidate, uh, and that candidate, was, we were able to put the whole board together with the, with the candidate because of the wonders of modern electronics called Zoom meetings. Has everybody, everybody been on a Zoom meeting? What a treat. <laughs> and and if, you, if you don't have the like platinum version, you have to reboot everybody about every 40 minutes. So, but, but with, with the aid of all of that super high technology, we were able to have a meeting and uh, a conversation with a candidate. And it was a very, very positive conversation that we had with the candidate. I think our, our board members would agree that was really positive. And it ended with a unanimous decision to consider this person and, and um, uh, nominate them to our congregation. And that starts a new, a new segment of the process. Um, we first had to find a time that the candidate can actually be with us uh, physically and allow the entire congregation to meet that candidate. Well, as, as some of you might know, and as some of the decorations would, would show you, we're right in the middle of the holiday season. And we thought it best, and I hope that I can say what the apostles said in the book of Acts, that it, we thought it best, uh, we and the Holy Spirit thought it best that we schedule a meeting with the entire congregation after New Year's. Because we don't want anybody to be left out of that process. We want to make sure that we have plenty of warning ahead of time, plenty of announcements ahead of time, because the process will be that on the 7th of January, we would meet, greet, and hear a message from the candidate. Then we would announce that, uh, that nomination to y'all. We would announce that for two weeks in a row. So on two Sundays in a row, we will announce that we are going to have a vote regarding the candidate that is presented. So that presentation will be on the 7th. We would expect on the 8th that we, if all things go well, we would expect that, that we would make the announcement 
that the vote will be in two weeks. A week later, we would make the announcement again that in one week we will have a vote so that everybody has plenty of opportunity to be here on the day of the vote. Does that make sense? Very good. So then after that invitation is, is made to a candidate, if we have a, a, an adequate vote, which I would be really surprised if we didn't, but if we, if we have that vote in favor, then we would make the invitation to the candidate and he's been, he, he or she will be given time to respond to us and then we would expect that there will be a time where, where the candidate and their family can just have a rest between assignments before they show up here rested and ready to go. Does that make sense? So we're gonna continue to keep you updated, but remember the one date we have established certainly will be let's meet, let's talk. There'll be a time for a message, there'll be a time for uh, questions and answers, and and uh, then we would we would expect that a positive result from that will will work right into announcement of a vote, another announcement of a vote, and then the actual vote itself. So we got a long ways to go in the process, but it is moving right along. He's going to tell you next. I don't want. I don't. Yeah, don't want to rain on his parade, <laughs> or say the wrong thing. Thank you, Scott. And we really do have a good board. And uh, when we pray later on, I want to pray for them. They uh, they uh, have a heavy heavy lift these days. Yeah, because of the timing of your uh, perspective, Pastor, coming, we're committed to being here until uh, that person arrives. So it looks like we'll go home for Christmas and then come back. So we'll experience a Colorado winter, although it feels like we've already experienced that. In fact, I think we experienced that last May. But anyway, that's, uh, that's where we're at. Yeah, this is... So we're looking forward to being with you probably uh, two, three more months after the Christmas season. More on that to come. Hey, Scott, you're back there. You got those power surge pictures? Throw them up there. We'd love to see. Uh, really? I think that's the district superintendent and his staff. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. Uh, beautiful Estes Park and appreciate, uh, always appreciated the Church of the Nazarene's commitment to the next generation. That's an awesome thing, and thanks, Scott, for taking those kids up there. I'd also like to uh, see that Good Sam video, so I think I'm going to call for our Good Sam. I keep calling it Good Sam. Samaritan's Purse video. I'm going to call for our ushers to come, and they're going to wait on us for the morning tithes and offerings. I want to thank C Cindy Rumsey for pulling this uh, Christmas shoebox effort together. Thank you, Cindy. And... Uh, we're going to pray over these boxes at prayer time as well. But while we receive the morning tithes and offerings, let's, uh, let's uh, take a look at that Samaritan's Purse video and catch a glimpse of what this is all about. This is the first time we went to do an outreach event, basically on the water. And I was excited going to the floating village. 
I wonder how churches could be ministering in that place that is remote. Hello. All the children had come to the event with their canoe. We were in the boat, and as we were moving around, we started singing. And there was that old man in his canoe that started singing and dancing with us. That old man was celebrating God with us. Before we get to the village, there was this huge canoe with all these children that were singing. They were so joyful singing and declaring the power of God. And I remember they had one song that they were like, they were shooting the devil. They are happy singing to the glory of God, happy and trusting that they now have power against the spirit, the evil that they have grown up in. Gospel has reached these people, these children in this area. Those children who received the box initially, they were in the boat singing to the glory of God. And actually they were preparing all that for the new children that are out of the church to come to the knowledge of Christ as well. That's wonderful. I can see that multiplication has started in that church. We get into that church and we have more than 200 children sitting and waiting to receive the gift boxes. When the gift boxes were revealed, you could see how happy they were. They all started shouting, though they haven't yet seen the items in the gift boxes. When we open up the boxes, there was so much joy. You can see them shouting, crying, jumping. Some will grab the item and, and wave it and tell the other, look at what I have. And seeing them carrying their gift boxes, going back to the canoe, and then riding away with joy, with excitement, because they are in such a hurry to go back home and have time to actually enjoy the gift boxes that they received. The impact of Operation Christmas Child in this country is that volunteers are ready to go any place to just deliver the gift boxes and then share the gospel. We have seen them crossing the lake to carry the gift boxes wherever that is needed. And they are ready to go beyond any limitation just to ensure that the gospel is preached, that children are discipled, and that multiplication of the gospel is happening. Isn't it wonderful seeing the hands and feet of Jesus through his people? It's awesome. And we've got that right here. So I'm praying over these boxes that whichever kids they're reaching, they have the joy of Jesus because they know someone loved on them in his name. So let's stand and continue to worship this morning.
is our prayer this morning, God. Pray for a strong faith. Pray that we'd fix our eyes on you. I pray that, Father, we would build our lives on the solid foundation that is your Son, our Lord Jesus. Accept our praise this morning, God. We do praise you. You're an awesome God. You speak, and the winds and the waves grow still. And, Lord, sometimes uh, life is one big storm. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being near us, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for a sufficient grace. God, we trust you today. Help us to trust you more. Father, we bring our needs to you today. We bring, uh, we bring the family and friends of those uh, shooting victims down in the springs, that nightclub shooting. Moms and dads and siblings. God, I pray that you would comfort them today. Pray for those kids up in Florissant that lost a mom and a dad this past week in a murder-suicide right in our own backyard. God, draw close to them. We trust you, Lord, to work good out of those awful situations. We pray for our own church family here, those that are sick. We lift up Kendra, Nancy, Diane, little Raina, others, Lord. Pray for their healing, their encouragement. Thank you for bringing Corey Smith through a risky surgery this past week. We give you the glory for that. Thank you for so many answers to prayer. Thank you that we can look back over all the years of our life and see how you've led us all along the way, Father. And by your mercy, here we are. God, I pray for these moments that we have yet together today. Give us ears to hear your word. Give us hearts open to your word. We need you today, Father. We open our hearts, open our ears to what you have for us, oh God. And we thank you. We thank you for all the ways you've blessed, all the ways you've led, all the ways you've provided, the times that you've healed and helped, given us hope. We give you thanks for that. And we pray today with thanksgiving in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen may be seated. Lord is good, amen. Life is certainly a mixed bag. One of these days it won't be. It's going to be all good one of these days forever. But it's a mixed bag. I thought of that as we had this service today. You know, you begin a service, there's joy in the house of the Lord, and there certainly is, but I, I just bring in some sadness too at what is happening in our world, but that's Glad we got that uh, Samaritan Purse video in. Isn't it sweet to try to imagine? Oh, we didn't pray over these boxes. Father, <laughs> bless every child that will receive uh, one of these boxes somewhere around this world, and I pray that you would receive the glory, that uh, they would know that Jesus loves them because of what uh, this church has done and churches all across this country. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a great thing, right? Uh, there's a lot of good. I have conversations with people here and there that uh, 
are really discouraged about what's happening in her country and around the world and all. And I understand that. But my faith is in a God who is ultimately in control and is guiding human history towards a victorious end. You know when I have the greatest hope, when I feel most hopeful? It's when I'm out there in the world doing something to make a difference. I'm at my lowest when I'm sitting in front of a news outlet. But when I can just get out there and do good and see that there's still lots of good in the world, that's when I feel most hopeful. And I think that's our call. Probably a good segue way to the uh, message that I'll get at here in a few minutes. I've noticed about my preaching style, looking back over the years, it's almost like I have an opening monologue, and then I get to preaching. <laughs> so in the spirit of Jay Leno and others, you know, here it is. Hey, Corey Smith and his family wanted to pass along thanks for praying for him. I think we've got a picture of Corey. There he goes. Uh, I think they may be in the air even as we speak uh, on uh, their way, way back and just grateful for, just good to be a part of the family of God as an old Gaither song has it, right? So we introduced this little baby girl a few weeks ago, just uh, born, I don't know how old she is now, not much more than a, three months? Yeah, three weeks? It's got to be more than that, right? No, maybe not. Lori knows. Anyway, she was back in the hospital having some breathing issues, uh, expected to get out tomorrow. So just between those two pictures, you see the progress. But Raina, uh, Brianne Miller's little girl, let's, let's be praying for her as well. Kelly's down in the springs this morning at our Trinity Church of the Nazarene speaking on how to reach and regain, retain young adults, her uh, doctoral dissertation. So they invited her down there. She'll be up here for the potluck. Thanksgiving this week, could that be? Time flies when you're having fun. Anyway, next Sunday's message will be taken from 1 Thessalonians 5, in everything give thanks. And next Sunday's service will give us opportunity to consider what we're especially thankful for this year. Let's begin to prayerfully consider that even uh, in this service today. Next Sunday is also the first Sunday in Advent. My favorite season of the year, that season that anticipates and prepares us for the celebration of Christ's birth, Christmas. Uh, let's just spend the whole season celebrating the good news of Jesus right into the new year, amen? We're going to fix our eyes on him. Okay, to preaching today. We spent the last two Sundays uh, focused on the theme of a holy life of love. I like the title, A Holy Life of Love. The title alone is a guide for me. That holy life of love plays right out here in the fellowship of his church. God calls us together. This gathering, this fellowship isn't my idea. It didn't come out of Nazarene headquarters. We didn't make that up. God calls us together. This is a, a sacred call. Last week, we circled around this roof. You were here. That was a beautiful sight. And we prayed with our eyes open to each other. 
We've prayed over Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience toward each other. Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Wouldn't be a bad passage to memorize and pray over as you think about your brothers and sisters in Christ that you're sharing the journey with. A holy life of love begins right here in the fellowship of the church. We ought to be modeling for the world what community looks like. What diversity in unity looks like. We ought to be modeling for this country these days that people from various backgrounds and parts of the country and political parties and viewpoints can come together and work together and love each other. We ought to be modeling that for the, for the country and for the world. That's our calling. A holy life of love begins right here. But a holy life of love will always take us out there. Today's message will be a reminder of our call to go. Called to gather, called to go. The Christian life will take us into the world for the same reason that God sent Jesus into the world to save people. Here's my message today. By all means, save some. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to choose a text from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we we need a little context here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul takes up this matter of whether or not to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. That was a thing in those days. Part of idol worship. Part of the worship in temples throughout the Roman Empire dedicated to gods with small g's. And Paul appears in chapter 8 to be answering a letter he must have received from the church in which people were saying, hey, we know idols are just uh, pieces of wood or stone, so it's no big deal to eat food that had been sacrificed to them because they're not really gods anyway. There's only one true God. And Paul would have agreed with that, Uh, nothing wrong with that. But apparently there were others in the Corinthian church who were perhaps new to their faith or not as strong in their faith, for whom that was problematic. They didn't feel so good about that. And they saw uh, their brothers and sisters eating food that they knew had been sacrificed during idol worship, and it caused them to question their brothers and sisters' faith and And it was a problem. Well, we could spend some time with with that and draw some parallels to today. But what I want you to hear is Paul's bottom line in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 8. He says, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Wow. And then in chapter 9, we're still looking at the context of the text I want to get to. In chapter 9, Paul, also in response to what some in the Corinthian church had either written to him or were saying about him, launches into a defense of his ministry and the, quote, rights he had as an apostle. 
And we could unpack that too, but what I want you to hear is what Paul says beginning in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 9. He says, but I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. Such things meaning uh, providing material support to him or, or allowing him the privileges that other apostles had. And Paul says that what's important to him is preaching the gospel, verse 16, Woe to me if I don't. So the common theme in both of these chapters and in that context is Paul's willingness to lay aside his rights and his freedom so that he minimizes any hindrance to someone else's faith and maximizes any opportunity for someone coming to faith. What I want you to hear in all that is Paul's passion for people still lost without Christ and his desire to see them saved and once saved, growing in their faith and what he's willing to do to see that happen. I want you to hear that. I need to hear that. So out of those two portions of this letter comes this... uh, step back larger statement about Paul's life and ministry that uh, I am inspired by, and it begins at verse 19, and here's my text. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse 19, Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, i.e. not justified by the law anymore, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, first of all, can you sense Paul's passion, hear Paul's heart? In those verses, he says he does what he does in order to win as many as possible, verse 19, by all means possible, verse 22. And in between those two phrases, he says five times that he wants to win some. I just want to win some, that I might win some, just some, win some, five times. How? I've got three answers that come out of this passage, although here's a a bonus first answer and a little bit of a side note. It struck me when I saw in my notes those two words, win some. We are more likely to win some if we are winsome. Right? Oh, that's not a groaner. (laughs) What does winsome mean? Something about you that is appealing or attractive. Once in a while, I have to check myself up on that. I have to ask myself, okay, is my, my life, my demeanor, my, my uh, 
uh, attitude, whatever it is about me, appealing or attractive to anyone. I think if we're going to win some, we need to be winsome. But here are the three answers that come out of this passage for me. Back to verse 19. How do we maximize the opportunity for uh, winning folks to Christ uh, by serving others? Answer number one. Uh, verse 19 there, Paul said, I make myself a slave to everyone. I serve. In another of Paul's letters, Galatians, the fifth chapter, he uh, says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Whew, that's good. We're free from this uh, uh, need to earn our uh, right standing with God, earn God's love. We are saved by grace through faith. We're free. We ought to live in that freedom. And he unpacks that in that fifth chapter. But it's interesting that Paul ends that section by warning the church not to use their freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Freedom doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want to do in life. We're actually free from this uh, turned uh, in on ourselves, self-centered, self-serving, self-ruling life so that we can serve others in Jesus' name. I don't think there's anything more disarming Nothing more convincing in terms of evidence for the existence of a God who loves us than serving someone. Think about Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, the night before the cross. John 13 says he showed his disciples the full extent of his love. And there before that Passover meal, he took his outer garment off wrapped a towel around his waist, got a basin of water, and began to wash those disciples' feet. They were dumbfounded, probably embarrassed. One of them should have done that. There was nothing they could say or nothing they could do. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus said to those same disciples, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Paul was just being like Jesus. We should be too. Amen? What does that look like? In that Galatian letter, Paul said, serve one another in love, and he's talking about the folks that you've gathered with here this morning. We're called to serve each other in love. Plenty of ways to do that. If I went out those doors right there, hung a left, went up the hallway, I'd find some folks that are serving you in love this morning. They're holding your babies and uh, making sure the toddlers don't swallow a toy or something in the hour and 15 minutes we have here to worship together, really. And some folks back there with their kids, they're serving you in love. Some folks came over here yesterday, I saw them, Rumsey's, Miller's at least, Setting up tables so we could enjoy a meal together. Myers, don't want to leave anybody out. Thank you for that. That's serving each other in love, and I see that happen in so many ways. We're called to that. That's what it looks like right here in the fellowship of the church. But what about out there, beyond these walls, beyond this fellowship? Well, I'll tell you what, you've got a little insert in that uh, Sunday morning bulletin this morning. The Salvation Army is putting on some... Uh, 
meals on Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day. Barbara and Harry, retired Salvation Army elders, can tell you how you can serve in those meals. You could even ring bells outside of Walmart or a city market. I'm thinking about signing up for that. We should all carry some change or bills, and every time we walk past one of those bell ringers at Christmas time, we ought to have something to put in there, wish them a Merry Christmas, and thank them for being out there. Those are the kinds of things we can do. Right next to Barbara and Harry back there is Cheryl Birch. I don't know if she needs volunteers in her Pioneer store in Cripple Creek that provides uh, uh, toys and clothes and various household items for kids to purchase for dollars that they earn because of good behavior, but I bet you could use some donations, see her after the service. There's all kinds of ways to serve out in the community. Here in a few weeks, we're going to debut a nice visual. It's going to be a four-by-eight kind of thing that will let you know about those opportunities there are to serve in the community and who in our church is already serving there so you can talk to them and get involved too. That's going to be a beautiful thing. But here's a beautiful thing. If you have a servant's heart, serving can happen anywhere, right? As Christians, we are servants of Christ Jesus. So that means at work, at school, on the ball field, in the locker room, in your neighborhood, in your family. Do we have any kids in here? Did they all leave? Need to go down the hall and tell them, you can serve by helping your parents. You've got a bathroom at your uh, office that is never in very good condition. Take some cleaning materials and clean it yourself. Just, we're servants. Paul said he made himself a slave to everyone. I tried to uh, volunteer at McDonald's here. They're always overwhelmed. That McDonald's is a busy McDonald's. And Kelly's one of the managers there. And I said, Kelly, if we brought a few guys in here to help you, like, clean bathrooms or clean up between, you know, your rush hours and stuff out on the dining, would that be a good thing? She says, no, they won't let us. Corporate won't let us. But there's all kinds of ways to serve in our everyday life. Amen? Serve others in Jesus' name. Why? To win as many as possible. You want to win people? Serve them. Moving on, answer number two. Meet people where they are. That's how I'd summarize verses 20 to 21. And that involves uh, literally going where they are. If we're going to win some, if we're going to uh, fulfill the great mission and purpose God has for us as, as believers, we're going to have to cross the street and meet that neighbor. We're going to have to go across town. We're going to have to get out of our homes and out of this place and, and get out there physically. But what I thought of as I read uh, those two, three verses of the Apostle Paul, I thought about stepping into other people's shoes, learning their language, meeting them where they are in their spiritual journey, which may not include any knowledge of the scriptures or any experience in a church these days. It means meeting people where they are culturally, in their age and stage in life, whatever uh, that may be. That's part of our going to them. <laughs> I was remembering uh, 
older gentleman back home in our church who had a beautiful home and a really nice outdoor pool with a uh, uh, hot tub uh, next to it in our neighborhood. And uh, he invited some of uh, our young men that we worked with in that community, most of whom came from homes without a dad and uh, lower income and all the rest. And man, did they love that pool and had it to themselves. We'd take five or six over at a time, have some good food and just, you know, really good. But I remember uh, Ken was his name, uh, decided he wanted to do a little devotional for the boys uh, one day after they had uh, swam. I never know how to say swim in the past tense. Swam, swum, swimmed. Anyway, after that, you can tell me after service, which is the right word. I'm looking at Joel Garcia. He's going to tell me. And uh, he launched into this, uh, this passage in the Old Testament and how he wanted to apply it to their lives. And I knew right from the start that these boys, they didn't have a clue as to what he was talking about. They didn't know the Old Testament. They didn't know the Bible. He wasn't speaking their language. They were like from the hood, you know. And, and they just... We got to meet people where they are. You know what I'm saying? We got to we got to understand them. I think that's what Paul is getting at here in this passage. Paul summarizes all of this in verse 22 when he says, "I have become all things to all men." And he did that all without compromising the truth. He he did that while still being obedient to the law of Christ. He makes that clear. In the New Beacon Bible Commentary, Dr. Alex Deasley, I had him for a class, British guy. He says this, Paul was no chameleon. That's not what we're talking about here. No unprincipled peddler prepared to take on the color of his surroundings if by so doing he could make a sale. But in matters indifferent to the truth of the gospel, in other words, in amoral issues, in things that aren't moral issues, that aren't uh, sacred Paul was ready to go to any length to gain a hearing. He goes on to say, nor was this merely a calculating tactic. Rather, it was for Paul the underlying principle of the incarnation and the cross in which Christ took human form, identifying himself with the whole range of human life in order to accomplish its redemption, in order to win as many as possible. Which leads us to verse 22 in the third and final answer. Paul says, to the weak, I became weak. Notice in all the other cases, he said he became like someone under the law or like the Jew. But this is more. To the weak, I became weak. The word that comes to mind is humble. We need to be humble. We need to humble ourselves in regards to other people. That's the word that comes to mind, and the person that comes to mind is Jesus. Philippians 2, good segue to this Christmas season, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's the heart of the gospel, God becoming one of us, like us in all ways, yet 
without sin. Why? To win some. To win as many as possible. That humility of Christ, that example of Christ, uh, made me think of a story I heard years ago about a song leader in the Church of the Nazarene by the name of Ron Lush. Ron Lush Jr. was actually a pastor at a local church in the college town where I uh, went to school. It was his dad that was the song leader, and the story came from those days when camp meetings were big. Ever been to a camp meeting? Open-air tabernacle out in the summer, big I can remember the big fans on stands at the front of the the uh, the sanctuary, you know, trying to keep us halfway uh, cool in the summer heat. And uh, that was in the days when you had a organ on this side and a piano on this side and hymnals in the pew rack and a song leader. And Ron Luss Jr. was one of those song leaders, always tied up with a uh, nicely uh, starched white long sleeve shirt. That was back in the days when you probably dressed a little bit uh, nicer for Sunday mornings. I'm kind of glad for the casual myself. But anyway, Ron Lush. And there was a, a service on a hot summer uh, day. Uh, he was up leading a hymn, and a little toddler uh, boy got separated from his mom and dad and that uh, crowd of people gathered for worship that day. And he ended up out in the center aisle, coming down the center aisle, just bawling his eyes out. Tears streaming down his face, snot coming out of his nose, sweaty as all get out. And the story goes that Ron Lush Sr., after that hymn was done, walked down off the platform. Really makes me cry just to think about it. Got down on his knee in that white, nicely starched shirt and scooped that little boy up. I'm imagining snot on his shoulder and tears on his front. And got him back to his mom and dad. And ever since I've heard that story, I thought that's just exactly what God did for us in Christ. A holy God who was willing to get messy. Mmm, that'll preach. Middle of verse 22, Paul says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Notice Paul shifts from winning to saving, letting us know that he's really talking about the salvation of people that's at stake here. By all possible means, here's some questions for us. To what lengths am I willing to go? Whose feet am I willing to wash? To what extent is this facility that we're in this morning Available to serve the community. How about your home? Your stuff? Your time? Where are we willing to go that we might save some? By all possible means. <laughs> For years that meant uh, I was bonkers the clown. You'd love to see me as bonkers the clown, wouldn't you? Maybe I'll bring my clown suit back. I still have it after Christmas, and I'll preach a message as bonkers the clown. That'd be kind of fun. If you text me when I'm home at Christmas and remind me of that, I'll do that. Bonkers the clown. Oh, my goodness. For years, there were lots of Saturdays when men from our church back home got early on a Saturday morning. And filled gas tanks and wood splitters and 
went to pick up a young man who didn't have a ride into work, and they split wood and delivered word, wood and, and gave those young men some work experience and a loving relationship with a godly man. By all means, this past Wednesday for indoor pickleball, where the Rumseys, I was here with uh, 26 to 30 other people, and uh, three of us were WP Naz, and the rest of them are community people. I've had meals with uh, six to eight others in the last seven days because of that uh, availability of this facility for pickleball, which is a hot deal in Woodland Park, and we're the only place in town that has it. What are we willing to do that some might be saved? Last week's message, I said that in everything, Jesus is our example, and I cited uh, Jesus in the house of Zacchaeus, and Jesus at the uh, well with that uh, woman in Samaria, and Jesus taking time for those kids, and, and Jesus opening uh, his home to uh, Nicodemus, that Pharisee, and, and in each one of those, Jesus is an example to us, the time, the, the heart that he had for the lost people that he came to save. All of those stories, and the whole of Jesus' life and ministry testify to why he came, to save people, and why we go. Got to wind them down. I think we all as believers, especially those of us that have been following Jesus for a long time, uh, studies show, and, and we could offer evidence for this, the more we go along in our Christian life, potentially, the smaller the circle of uh, significant relationships we have with those that aren't yet saved, and the more our friendships and and time with other people is spent with folks that already are. And unless we're intentional about uh, loving those neighbors that don't yet know Christ, that will be the tendency of our lives. And I think we all have to ask ourselves, when was the last time I shared the gospel with someone? Weeks, months, years? Decades, it's never happened. Is my life showing and telling the gospel and creating opportunities to share that good news of Jesus? Where am I serving or connecting that puts me in touch with someone outside of the church? When was the last time I had someone in my home that was not a Christian? I think we've got to ask ourselves these questions. There's a evangelism training, and evangelism is just a fancy word for showing and telling the good news of Jesus. There's evangelism training called the three-story gospel. I really love that. I can't remember who put that together. Maybe the guy that started Campus Crusade, something like that. But said there's three great stories. That person's yours and Jesus. And if we'll just listen to someone's story, ask them to tell them, uh, tell us their story. I do that every time I'm with someone new. Tell me your story, beginning to end. If we'll listen to their story, they may just ask us about ours. And as we get to know their story and as we have the opportunity to share ours, then we can weave Jesus' story into all that. Hey, side note. We really do need to learn how to listen. I would say it's 1 in 20, the people that I'm with, 
that asked me anything about me. 80% of us are just waiting for somebody to take a breath so we can speak. We've got to learn how to listen. I have never, this is guaranteed, I'm sorry I'm going long again. I have never been out and about but that I don't ask someone how they're doing and really want to know. And that almost always, almost always, it's amazing to me. People that I have never met before in my life, complete strangers, almost always leads to a conversation in which something significant is shared. Try it. Because we're called to it. This uh, three-story gospel, uh, the person that put that together says, the first move in evangelism isn't to the lost. It's to Jesus. Because his premise is, if we're spending time with the one that loved us so much that he gave his life for us, if we're stepping into the Gospels and learning about the life and ministry, the character, the heart of Jesus, we're going to want to move to the lost. For today, this portion of Paul's letter and the example of Jesus is a reminder of where a holy life of love ultimately leads. Out those doors to lost people. A genuinely Christian life will include a heart for the not yet saved. It's why Jesus came. It's why we go. Aren't you amazed at the length to which God went to save the world? Aren't you glad for the day he saved you? Aren't you eternally grateful for those that God used to bring you to that moment of saving faith? Let's pay that forward. Let's keep spreading the good news of Jesus, showing and telling the gospel by all possible means. Let's save some. And all God's people said, amen. Let me just pray. Father, we trust that your word will not return to you void today, that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak into our lives. And, and Father, uh, I haven't preached today to lay a big guilt trip on anyone. I haven't preached today to make, uh, uh, make us feel like we're yeah, falling short again. But Lord, I do pray that you would stir my heart that you would stir our hearts, that you would keep us from uh, drifting towards comfort and security, that we can know in uh, the fellowship of your church. Continue, Lord, to, to push us forward, to give us a love not only for each other, but for those that Christ died for, who don't yet believe in our families, in our neighborhoods, where we work, in this community, uh, folks that we run into, uh, perhaps even this week. Give us that love, I pray. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I think we're going to sing, aren't we?
Corey's got a good song for us to uh, usher us into this week of Thanksgiving, I believe. Let's stand together as we uh, give God praise before we uh, leave this place today. Thank you, Pastor Ben, for his good word and good reminder running into a lot of people that are going to be lonely and don't have a place to go. It's a good time to invite somebody over. Good invite, a good time to love on them.
come up and send us off. But don't go too far because we have a potluck to make sure it's safe. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for what you've done. And it is such good news. It should be on the end of our tongue, ready to be shared, Lord. Sometimes we need courage. Sometimes we need a push. I think we've got a little bit of that today from Pastor Dan. I, I appreciate and thankful for his message. What it does for us and our hearts and, and, and our hearts for other people. I know that there are so many people walking all around us that are lost. So let us be people of the good news that share it readily and are excited to help others along the journey too. I thank you, Lord, for this time that we will be able to enjoy together. Potluck, I pray a blessing over the food that we can enjoy it together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.
Show. To that show.